0: At 14 years of age, he launched out on his own to find work. He left Scotland, went down to Cheshire, and there he took work as a gardener. But those people that he was with did not like his Christianity. They gave him a hard time. He ended up becoming a Methodist, joining a Congregationalist church, and He applied to the London Missionary Society, and in 1816, he was commissioned to go out to Africa. Now, I'm not going to rehearse all the details of his sending, going forth, how it was organized. And he arrived at Cape Town, and eventually went into the interior. And there he met one of the most amazing converts of Christian missions. Hello and welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Goliathur and today we're looking at a character study on Timothy, sometimes we miss over the value of individuals. Whether it's in our Bible reading or even in our church, there are valuable Christians serving the Lord day by day, doing those things which perhaps not very uh, prominent, but yet important and valuable to the Lord. And today we're going to look at Timothy, one of the minor characters in the New Testament, and yet he had an effective ministry for God. We're going to be also listening to Onward Christian Soldiers, and crown him with many crowns. Firstly, let me read that chapter Act sixteen that deals with Timothy's conversion. Then came he to Durb and Lystra, and behold a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess, and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders, which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith, and increased in number daily. My, these were exciting times when Paul, Barnabas, and later Silas, and now young Timothy were going out to preach the message of the gospel. What a wonderful thing to take the word of God, to take the message of the cross to people for the very first time. Here in Canada, many are so inured and hardened to the work of the gospel many think that the name Jesus is not worth listening to. But can you imagine a people who hear that name and that message for the very first time? What an impact often it has, and what power God demonstrates in turning idolaters and pagans to the truth of the gospel. Well, today, Timothy, uh, we're going to learn that Timothy was at the forefront, and he had the, the task not only of pioneering Uh, the evangelistic work, but building them into real-life churches. And we're seeing here that God saved this young man and gave him a very sound conversion that he might be a true faithful minister of the Word of God. So stay tuned with us as we turn now to the pulpit ministry of our church to let the Bible speak on Timothy, God's man for God's work. Firstly, we'll have the song, Crown Him with Many Crowns. we come to Acts 16 and to this young man, Timothy. We're going to do a character study tonight on this young man, Timothy. And he, of course, appears throughout this New Testament as one that was set apart for the work of God and for the work of the ministry. Before I get to Timothy tonight, I want to tell you about another Young boy that the Lord took up and used in a wonderful way. This story takes us away back to Scotland, where there was an older preacher who, for many years, had ministered the word. And one day, one of his deacons came along to him. Uh, and this is something that deacons or elders should never do, and that is, come to their minister just before he goes to the pulpit. With a big problem. And this deacon leveled with the minister and said, there's something wrong with your ministry. We have gone a whole year and only one person has been added to the church, and that is a little boy. Well, the poor minister downhearted, braved the pulpit, got through the service as people were leaving. He wanted to be alone. He stayed on in the sanctuary of the church, and there he poured out his breaking heart to the Lord. After a few minutes, he realized that he was not alone. There was a little boy in one of the pews, and he came to the minister and said, Do you think that God could make me a preacher or even a missionary? Well, with tears in his eyes, that old minister rejoiced at the hand of God. That young boy was Robert Moffat. His, mission, his mother, in the winter evenings, took the family and gathered around the fireside and told them missionary stories. Now This goes away back to the early 1800s. And there weren't too many great missionary stories, but there were some. Africa was opening up. It was the place of exploration, the dark continent that many were discovering. Shipping was in its peak, certainly in Britain, famous for its navy. The world was opening up its doors to new shores. Robert Moffat's mother filled her children's minds and hearts with the multitudes that needed the gospel. At 14 years of age, he launched out on his own to find work. He left Scotland, went down to Cheshire, and there he took work as a gardener. But those people that he was with did not like his Christianity. They gave him a hard time. He ended up becoming a Methodist, Joining a Congregationalist church. And he applied to the London Missionary Society. And in 1816, he was commissioned to go out to Africa. Now, I'm not going to rehearse all the details of his sending, going forth, how it was organized. They arrived at Cape Town and he eventually went into the interior. And there he met one of the most amazing converts of Christian missions. His name was Afrikaner. He was a native African chief. He was looked upon as the butcher of that whole area. And yet, he was brought to faith in the Lord Jesus. He became a friend of Robert Moffat. And through that friendship, doors opened, and he allowed him to preach the message of the gospel to the people in that land. To cut a very long story short, Robert Moffat spent a total of 53 years in Africa. His wife, her name was Mary Smith, whom her parents at first were not going to allow her to go out to Africa. They thought this was an awful arrangement, but after a number of years permitted her to go. And they were married and spent a total of 53 years in Africa. When he came home as an old man before he died at 88, he became renowned for these words. I have sometimes seen in the morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages where no missionary has ever been." It was these words that led David Livingstone to go out to Africa. Tonight we're going to look at just one young man, Timothy. We read of him here in Acts chapter 16. And this story that we've just recited teaches us the value of just one who is willing to serve the Lord. This young man, Timothy, is the only convert that we read of in these parts in Derb and Lystra. There is only one man that is named, and his name is Timothy. Now, sometimes we become discouraged by the conversion of of just one. We look around and we see the many, and we wonder, what is God doing? But tonight I want us all to encourage our hearts when the Lord is pleased to draw and work in the life of only one. This young man was valuable to God. We're going to see the value of this young Timothy. We read here in verse 1 that a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the, certain, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed. So here he is, and he's valuable to God. Now, the Bible says here that his father was a Greek. He was uh, of a mixed marriage in that sense, and most likely Uh, This father was a proselyte to Judaism, not particularly religious. But nevertheless, his mother was a very devout Christian, uh, Jew at that time before she became a Christian. And this young man, Timothy, was one of the first converts to Christianity in this area. And this certainly made him valuable to God. The thing I want you to note here is what makes a soul valuable to God is faith. And it's because Timothy believed and he rejoiced in the gospel that made him to be valuable to God. That certainly was true for Robert Moffat, and it is true in the life of Timothy. I hope it's true in your life tonight. And the starting point For anyone to be useful to God is personal saving faith, and until the faith matter is settled, you cannot be God's instrument of blessing. And so I would exhort you tonight to take a leaf out of the book of Timotheus, this young man, Timothy, and put your faith in the Lord Jesus. And then you start out on the race of faith to be a servant of the Lord. But until you bow the knee, until you come to Christ, you can't even begin, because you must, first of all, be valuable to God. If you look at verse 2, you'll notice that Timothy was valuable to his brethren. It says that he was well reported of by the brethren. And so those who were believers in this area, they already saw the hand of God upon this young man, Timothy. He was of a caliber which made him stand out. He was well noted for his faith, for his walk with God, for his fellowship, in the work of the gospel. And everyone could vouch for his genuine character and service for God. And you'll notice that Timothy put into practice what we learned this morning. He started at his Jerusalem. His Jerusalem was his hometown. And he put his energy, his faith to work right in his home church. And that's something that you and I need to do. Where the Lord plants us, wherever we are today, is the place where we ought to serve Him. Now, no one is indispensable, and we soon learn that. And when God takes someone out of a work or a ministry, or even calls them home to glory, there is no man indispensable. God's work goes on. But if you should be taken out, you should be missed. You should be missed for your godly service and your faithful walk with the Lord. Now, if you were to be taken like Enoch, just was not, for God took him, and somehow you were just uh, airlifted out of the life of the church and your Christian witness, would you be missed? Would you be valuable? Would they say, boy, how are we going to fill these shoes? This was the caliber and the character of Timothy. So he was valuable to God. He was valuable to his brethren. In verse 3, we find that he was valuable for gospel work. Him would Paul have to go forth with him. Paul was on his missionary journey. This would be now his second missionary journey. And as he was going around the churches preaching the gospel, he needed helpers. And here he is now. He is valuable for gospel work. Now, one thing we do know about Timothy from the book that Paul wrote to him as a young pastor, and that is that he was grounded in the Scriptures that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures." And that's 2 Timothy 3.15. And what a great foundation was given to Timothy. Now, growing up with a Jewish mother, it would have been the Old Testament scriptures that he had. At this time, there would be no New Testament. But what a foundation, nevertheless, to have the history, the facts, the details of the Word of God right in his mind, and as he became a Christian, in his heart. Now, that is the best thing that any parent can give their child, to give them a database of Scripture, to give them a bank of biblical information. Now, as parents, we have to trust the Lord and what they're going to do with it, and how God will take them make them, mold them, use them. But it is our task as parents to instill into the hearts of our children the Word of God. I learned about Robert Moffat when he was a young boy and went to school. The only textbook he ever had was the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Of course, if you're in Scotland, you eat, breathe, sleep uh, the Shorter Catechism. And he grew up on the question-answers, the Q&A method of Bible knowledge, along with the Scripture proofs which filled his mind with the knowledge of God's Word. And as we would seek to equip young people for the work of God, we give them what money could never buy, a grounding, an earnest settling in the Word of the Lord. And a little by the way here, when Robert Moffat became a Methodist, his parents weren't happy. They were Calvinists. They were Presbyterian. They were shorter catechism people. When he went down to England and got into Methodist Christians, who at that time were the persecuted Christians in England, they were outside the mainline church. They were the, the radical evangelicals, if you will, and he got amongst them. His parents weren't particularly happy, and yet God took him, used him, and blessed him. Another little tidbit of information I learned about David Livingstone: that his parents had him learn the Psalm 119 off by heart. Can you imagine learning Psalm 119? Where so many verses seem so similar, and yet, as that psalm says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. This is imperative if we are going to train a generation for the Lord Jesus. And I would say to our Sunday school teachers and to all parents, never give up the task of training boys and girls, young people, with this knowledge of the Lord. He was profitable for gospel work because he was young and he was gifted. His youth, no doubt, was a great advantage. If you remember Paul writing to him, he said, let no man despise thy youth. And Timothy had to overcome the age barrier. And he had to overcome all the fear of standing up before people, maybe twice, three times his age, and preaching the message of the gospel. And Paul could see that such a young man was needed for the generation to come, for the establishing of churches, and of course, as he became the minister of Ephesus. But there's one other quality that I would. Uh, point out, and that is he was voluntarily submissive. If you read verse 3, Paul would have him to go forth with him and took him and circumcised him because of the Jews. Now, that's no easy thing for a young man of his age to submit to, especially after, now this is Acts 16, and if you know your Bible and you know Acts 15, that the whole controversy down in Jerusalem where the elders had come together with James and the other apostles, and the whole debate about was it necessary for New Testament Christians to be circumcised? Well, the decree was was announced, the decision was made that it was not necessary to be circumcised to be saved. Those Judaizers were legalists who were saying that unless you be circumcised, ye cannot be saved. And so when Paul uh exhorted Timothy to submit to this circumcision, it was not to be saved. What was it for then? It was to be a missionary to the Jews. It was that he might be all things to all men, that he might not be in any way a hindrance. And you can see that this young man was willing to go further than anything required for his salvation, that he might be God's messenger even to these Jews." Now, you'll notice in verse 4, as they went through the cities, they delivered unto them the decrees for to keep. Now, these were the letters that came out of the church council in Jerusalem in Acts 15. And Timothy was a letter carrier from that council of Jerusalem. And yet, although he had the freedom not to be circumcised. He submitted to it that he might be useful to God and to men. And there are many times in our Christian lives that we've got to do that. It's called going the second mile. It's not legalism, let me tell you. It's not legalism. Wasn't legalism when Hudson Taylor decided that he was going to wear Chinese garb and a pigtail hairstyle. He wanted to be effective in the gospel, and that's the attitude that we all need in the Lord's work. If it's going to hinder, get rid of it. If it's going to help, I must have it. And that was the submissive, willing, ready attitude of this young Timothy. Now there are things that we must also forego in the Lord's work even in our churches. We're living in a day today when people want to just throw out all standards, throw out all rules, regulations. Let's just be the disorganized church. Let's be the people that have their own way at all times, at all costs. History tells us, the Bible of course tells us, that all things are to be done decently and in order. And if we're going to be a people that serve God with order, There's going to be those things that you say, well, I don't need to do this to be saved. I can get to heaven without doing this. Yes, you can get to heaven, but will God use you? Will you be effective as a minister, missionary, as a witness for the Lord Jesus?